Welcome to the intersection of technology, cybersecurity, and society. Welcome to ITSP Magazine Podcast Radio. You're about to listen to an episode of Through the Tech Vine. So be quiet, pay attention, and get inspired. There is one truth that is not told enough. Technology is not magic, but it can be magical. Technology is human. It is part of who we are, our evolution, our future. Will it be a dystopian or utopian one? Well, that is up to us and nobody else. Knowledge is power, now more than ever. Blue Lava is the first business platform for CISOs to manage their security program. Blue Lava guides security leaders to effectively measure, optimize, and communicate their security program with confidence and ease in one platform. Learn more at bluelava.net. talking about wine whenever i see that <laughs> intro <laughs> right? well not not today this is this it's is an halloween it's an halloween special but we can drink wine on halloween maybe not drink it but at least discuss the technology of it <laughs> no i'm italian i'm gonna drink it <laughs> drink then it. i can okay. discuss it but first i drink it Oh my God, this is exciting. We, we, I feel like, Diana, we've been talking about this already the, the entire month, and today we're finally episode number 21. Can't believe it. We have another guest, which is great. And on top of that, we're doing the Halloween special, so the idea today was to bring old tech news that are a little bit spooky. And, you know, the funny thing, and then I want to hear your opinion on this, like, I'm like, aren't they all spooky? <laughs> In a way, you know, artificial <laughs> intelligence, cars that drive themselves, try to tell this to someone like 50, 100 years ago, and what, what would they think about it? Black magic, right? It's all ghosts in the machine anyway. <laughs> That's right, the ghosts in the machine. Uh, Sean, what's going on? You you feel like uh, introducing uh, our guest today? It's a ghost, by the way. No. They're, they're watching, and I, I'm not comfortable with that. Oh, I'm watching you. It's kind of like, <laughs> like uh, that I'm, somebody's watching you. <laughs> it always feels. I feel like I your picture actually is more... It's watching us. Yeah. 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 A little intimidating. Yeah. All, all the lens, all the time. Uh, for who knows what's some, in there? Who knows what's behind it? That's the question. Is it AI, Sean, or the real Sean? But that doesn't matter. We We're talking know. about our, our guest today. We actually have another guest, which is cool. And it's Angela Marafino. Angela, you don't look you don't look yourself in your avatar today. <laughs> <laughs> no, I know. I was feeling otherworldly, I guess, um, like someone else. So hi everyone. I'm Angela Marafino. Um you know, old school movie fan. There you go. Like Fritz Lang creepiness. Uh looking over your shoulder. Yeah. Um, so hi, happy to be here. And we're happy to have you. And I, I remember that when I was uh, inviting people to be guests on the on the show, I said there is the Halloween episode open, and you're like me, 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 me. Yeah, and I so like, like oh, she really <laughs> likes it. Halloween. Yeah, we, yeah. Gotta, we gotta have you. So what what makes it? Why do you like Halloween so much? I mean, first of all, you kind of gave it up already with you like horror movies, so <laughs> I can see that happening. But yeah. T tell me about that passion. You know, um, I, I've always liked Halloween. Like, I, I think just being able to dress up, right? Like, do something fun for no reason whatsoever was always cool. Like, as a kid, even if it was 
something that wasn't necessarily like a scary costume, right? Like I definitely had like multiple years where I was a vampire because it's just like the go-to, <laughs> excuse me, the go-to costume, right? Is like, I don't really know, but I'm going to be a vampire. So there's that. Um, and then candy was great. Now I'm more like, I like, I like decorating for how, so now I'm just like, mm -hmm. oh, is it September? Great. We can start <laughs> decorating for Halloween. Um, I don't know, just everything about it. Uh, just like I'm a kind of a a night owl as it is, and so I like I like the dark. Um, I don't like bright lights and like you know I'm, I get more done at night. So it's just the theme of it all just makes sense for me as an individual. Cool, cool. And and Diana, why do you like Halloween apart from dressing the dogs? I know that. I think it's really about dressing the dogs for me. I mean, that's that's my my favorite part of it. Um, I, I love also love seeing other people in costumes, especially the really creative ones, because I, I I've got some creativity in me. But I look at some of these these costumes that people come up with, and I'm like that is so smart and so interesting when they do things like puns or they play off of something that's happening right now in the news or they, they figure out who they look like. So I just love seeing what other people come up with because there's just so much smart creativity and, and the craftsmanship that some people put into their costumes is amazing. Sean, do you dress up as Sean? <laughs> <laughs> as AI. There, there was a time well, obviously with, when, with uh, kids involved, um, we used to dress up quite a bit. Um, and then, as an adult going into work, I would dress up quite a bit sometimes lazily. <laughs> <laughs> who, who cares what I was wearing? Sometimes uh, extravagantly with uh, some serious costumes. But yeah, I haven't really, I really uh, dressed up recently. Yeah. Cause I, yeah. But not yeah, happening this being, year. Being in the middle of, the, of uh, the mountains in the middle of LA, yeah. Unless you're off to a party somewhere. Uh, no, no reason to dress up. All right, all right. So, I I want to be. <laughs> I was looking for the the tech, spooky tech, and that's when I started thinking, as I said at the beginning, how every tech, in a way, it's spooky in its own way. But then I found this website that has these um, very short little jokes, Halloween jokes for kids. You know, kind of like dad's joke. And so, I'm gonna sprinkle them through the episode, <laughs> and I'm going to take responsibility for that. So I'm going to go with the first one, which is uh, inspired by actually what uh, what Angela said, is she used to dress like a vampire. So how can you tell a vampire, a vampire is feeling sick? Give it a try. Anyone? I don't know. I can't. I mean, if you watch what we do in the shadows, we know that uh, Nandor the Relentless is feeling tired of his everlasting life. So he's decided to go into a deep sleep, but that's not, well, it's funny if you watch the show. But Well, but this is a joke for, for kids. So uh, Angela, Angela, you want to try? I have no idea. But okay. I can't wait to hear what it is. He starts coughing. No! <laughs> I told you they were dead jokes. That's great. That was good. You didn't All say right. bad dad jokes. I laugh a lot. I mean, I like this stupid <laughs> stuff. So I, I got another 10. So be ready <laughs> to to be spooked by this uh these jokes here. But let's uh let's do something for a change. Um why don't we go with uh, uh with Angela first? And then we give the honor of the first tech news to discuss too to the guest. What did you bring? Yeah. So, you know, some of this may not be new news, right? Like this definitely probably isn't a new thing, but I think bringing awareness to the fact that this could be a thing is new. So <clears throat> I was reading an article about uh, what they like to call what, what is being referenced as like a Frankenfish. Oh, <laughs> I was like, this Frankenfish? is Frankenfish, okay. like Frankenstein fishing. Mm -hmm. okay. um, pH. So fishing campaigns that are uh, taking, you know, parts of other fishing campaigns uh, and tactics and techniques to create new ones, right? So people that are like that, first of all, the fact that fishing as a service is a thing probably isn't um, 
known to everyone, right? So uh, for those of you who are like, what are you talking about? Um, you can hypothetically, right, just like pay for a fishing kit, use it as a, you know, uh, easy way to not have to manually build your own fishing um, tools, right? So uh, easy way for an attacker to get that, um, get that and use it. Uh, and now they're starting to put them together, um, which is allowing them to be right uh, obf obfuscated more easily, um, harder for uh, our detections uh, in the world, right? Our, our detections to uh, identify them. Um, and so it's, it's just crazy. Like the fact that, <laughs> the fact that there's so many things that you can do now um, just to, steal credentials uh it, it it creeps me out and like you said it it's all creepy uh if you think about it like all of tech is how is it even working um but the fact that right it, it's no longer just a simple phishing campaign it's like 10 of them put together to fool you so what, what does it mean put together is it like yes. randomly put together to avoid detection or is uh, an artificial intelligence I don't, I mean, I'm sure, I'm sure some of it could be random pieces that people aren't aware of that are in some of these kits, but I think they're uh, intentionally taking parts of fishing kits that exist, that have existed uh, over the past few decades that uh, are there now creating new ones. Um, but it's not just, it's not just like one tactic and technique being used, right? So like you're getting fished and the attacker is using many different types of techniques um, just in this one attack rather than just one. Like in, in the past, I think it was just one kit. Here you go. If someone identifies it, sorry, like you're out of luck because this has been used many, many times. Um, and now it's right, like it's gonna be harder for people to identify these phishing attacks because of that, if that makes sense. The first yeah. thing that comes to mind, uh, sorry, go ahead, Dana. There you go, Sean. Well, I was just gonna say we, we've, I think in the last few episodes we've we've been teasing a little bit of Halloween and, and talking about, uh, uh, yeah, Young Frankenstein <laughs> as, a, as a movie that uh, where well, we referenced the movie in many times. So I'm I'm just picturing these kits getting that abnormal component where they intend to do a fishing attack. <laughs> it actually doesn't look like a phishing attack. It become it blows up to be something really uh, abnormal and uh, Frankensteinish, and right, and not a not a phishing attack at all. But maybe something that wipes everything out. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I remember back when I was at IBM, uh, the threat research team would would see this with not with with phishing, but with. Um, just other kinds of, of kits that attackers would, they, they take different tech, different um, pieces of a previous kind of malware that had worked really well. And they said, oh, I'm going to put that in, the, in my malware because they buy and sell it on the, the unindexed web. So yeah, they, so you'd find these kind of Franken malwares that use little bits and pieces of previous malware that had been effective. Yeah, and initially what I was thinking, right, is... <laughs> Would more people read these articles if they had titles like Frankenfish, right? <laughs> Probably. If we could just start off, if we could just be more creative in the naming of what we're talking about and weird, people would probably be like, what is this? This sounds crazy. I just love what you just said because we, we've literally finished recording a podcast about word matters and the way you tell your story in, in InfoSecurity and you bring that to... In this case, it was to the board, but I always feel like we we just keep it so mysterious, and then we we expect people to get fascinated by it or intrigued or or curious, and therefore learning about it. I don't think that things like ransomware it's any exciting to be honest with you, and uh, you know maybe virus was kind of cool at the beginning to 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 spark interest, but I'm not sure. It's uh, it's still working. So yeah, why not? Why not get a little bit creative? Mm -hmm. I, I I get the the uh, marketing pitch for some story some vendor wants to sh sell us, and it doesn't say ransomware. It says ransom war. So okay. misspelling perhaps, <laughs> but, but maybe one that might get 
people's attention. <laughs> you know, for a long time, I was trying to get the term laser fishing picked up. And I almost had, I had a couple journalists that really liked it and they used it a few times, but then it just didn't, it didn't spread because we went from sort of cast a wide net broad fishing to spear fishing. But then if you think, and then, and then we kind of said back, which, you know, business email compromise, which is really, really, really very targeted fishing. So I was like, oh, let's call it laser fishing. But sadly, the community bring didn't it back. like that. <laughs> let's try again. <laughs> But you know what it works well with this episode? Because it kind of works all the time. Like the, the concept of using fears uh, to sell security and fear to mm. pretty much tell people, you know, hey, if you don't stop smoking, this is what's going to happen to your lungs. If you don't buckle up, this is going to happen when you're driving the car and eventually something happens. So, I mean, people do react to that. But I think there is also a level of, saturation where you're just like i don't want to hear about that anymore and i'm afraid security yeah. it's it's right there so i think we need to refresh it a little bit to a haunted house or something yeah, yeah. I, I don't know my my piece and i'm not going to get into it yet but I, I you think, can i think we'd like to be are we totally mixing it up Girl, yeah. All right, let's do it's it. It's Halloween, do it. dude. Get, right. get some candy. Scary. That's scary. We're going. We're going <laughs> off script. It's off. Never on script. Enjoy um, some candies. <laughs> some candy. <laughs> so I was gonna say, I, I think, I think we like to be scared, though. And and Ooh. we're saying that these these articles are put out there to get our attention, and these stories are put out there to get our attention. But how many times do we actually go looking? stories i think a lot of people go look for stories of doom and and death and destruction and, and all kinds of crazy dark stuff right and well, so it sells yeah. that's for sure it sells it sells but magazine I, I think, and newspaper I think we, but why does it sell because i think we for some reason we we like to feel that fear to either know we're safe from it or how to how to be safe from it um mm. Right. I'm not a psychologist, but <laughs> there's something yeah, there. Like you can't, you can't protect yourself from the zombies if you don't know they're coming, so you can board your house, right? Exactly. <laughs> and you're not a psychologist, did, but did you play one on TV? I did play one, my AI version. <laughs> played one on TV. They weren't, they weren't very good. The, the learning model was crap. But, uh, <laughs> so my, my news is a look back, and I'm, I'm not going where you're going, Marco. Uh, but a look back in stuff we've been afraid of. So today we're we're afraid of AI taking over, and uh, there have been stories of more recent stories of, of Wi-Fi and cancer, maybe 5G and cancer now. But if we look back um, in this piece, back to the 16th century, there was somebody that tried to instill fear for printing presses and books claiming that we would be overwhelmed with information, information overload, and we would be confused uh, by the harmful abundance of books. <laughs> so obviously we overcame that and we printed a bunch of books, but this was one thing we were scared of at the time. Electricity in the 19th century, uh, we had people who were afraid of that and uh, let's see here, what White House staff turned the lights on and off because he was scared of getting electricity, uh, President uh, Harrison, evidently. So it doesn't matter who you are, where you're from, what your, what your job you're doing, we're, we're scared of different things. Uh, Marco, you'll love this one. Uh, 1936, a uh, magazine called Gramophone uh, basically said the arrival of radio uh, would be yeah would be detrimental to society uh, similar to uh, the books thing where we, we would no longer read right so the radio killed killed the books <laughs> kind of that message and the, the final one and then i'll let everybody comment and we can dig into some of these if you like but is email so in the 90s people were afraid of email with one person quoted on uh, cnn evidently saying that Email would hurt the IQ equivalent, if not more, 
than the way pot does. What? So, <laughs> so, techno all these things are technology, right? Maybe not the technology that we're talking about today, we're fishing and AI and machine learning and IoT and all those things. But early technology, we were afraid of them. And so I, that's why I say I think we we like to be afraid of stuff just because. Ooh, and, and maybe, no, go ahead. Just to say maybe we're partly feline too. Felines don't like change. You know, you mm. move a chair in the living room and your cat gets really upset with you. So maybe just there are people, there are humans that are like, that's new. I don't like it. It's scary. <laughs> Such a real example. Well, we are in a way like that. And I mean, I'm going to bring up uh, one of my favorite quotes that I've used many, many times, which is from Arthur C. Clarke. Any sufficiently advanced technology is indistinguishable from magic, which is what we don't know. We, we, we're afraid of it. I mean, we used to worship the, the god Volcano because we didn't know how a volcano erupted, and we thought there was an angry god of Metatus. And there are plenty of uh, examples of, uh, of this all over, all over the places, all over the history of who we are. So bring something new right now, and it gets really, really scary. I mean, Ashan, I mean, imagine, I'm not sure I understand the email fear. But... <laughs> I have a, I have an email fear right now. Well, yeah, I do well, have a fear if something bad is going to happen, but... <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know about the email fear either one. There was a separate article I found, a bunch of stuff on it, and this one's too strange not to call up. It's a scenario that that people are afraid of. I don't know how widespread it is, but it's called the paperclip maximizer scenario, where humans are ground up into paperclips by an overeager AI. Oh yeah, I I know about that one. Yeah. When when AI when AI focus on a goal and and the whole objective is to achieve that goal, and there is no contextualization of it, then uh, it, it could turn out that if you tell an AI to maximize the production, the production of uh, paper clips, then it could kill humanity just to, to do that. Is that a Black Mirror episode? Yeah, it's it actually, it, I believe it was in um, an example in uh, Life 3.0, uh, Max Tegmark about the various scenario of artificial intelligence. But uh, yeah, you need to you need to decide what are the variables that, that really matters. Because if there is only one goal, that's that's what is going to... I mean, think about uh, Space Odyssey, right? I'm afraid I cannot do that, Dave. <laughs> <laughs> How? Which is IBM, just one in, in HI. Yeah. AB. Is this, yeah. Is this all is still around? Is Hal still around? IBM yeah. still around. <laughs> How about Hal? Is he, is he the CEO? We don't know about him. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm not sure if Hal's still around. I don't think Hal was ever real. Uh, but you know, one thing I was thinking about with the books and with the email, and you know, a lot of this is about information. We're getting yep. too much information, and you kind of left out "video killed the radio star." But anyway, I was um, for it. Thank you. <laughs> but, One of my favorite songs. I'm going to open for Mark and I'm glad you took it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but, you know, in some ways we are very overwhelmed with information and it has led people to going online and getting disinformation and thinking that doing the research is reading what scrolls through their social media feed and and we know that you know some people have been getting a lot of disinformation around around the pandemic, for example, and about things like the vaccine. So it's kind of interesting in some ways we have all this information and some of us are trying to parse it, but we you know, may be getting headaches from it and things like that. But then other people, maybe they just feel overwhelmed with information there because we do know that human beings can get overwhelmed by choice and stop making good decisions or get choice fatigue, for example, even in something that seems simple, like going to the grocery store, but you see now that you can have 30 different options for coffee instead of five and, and people get overwhelmed. So I feel like there's as much as we can say, oh, that's, that's silly. More books are good because we can all be smarter. There is maybe something underlying that when we have a lot of information, it can be difficult for us to parse it rationally. Totally agree. Yeah. I I was going to say, Sean, that 
um, in all of those, I could see, like, I think it's context, right? A context of how someone assumes it's going to be used, context of how it is being used. Mm -hmm. So, like, for example, right, if somebody's like, I'm going to print a million books, I would be like, <laughs> what kind of books? If they're all, like, physics books that I'm going to cry, like, you know, <laughs> I'm going to break my brain trying to read, just learn, right? So, um, and then with um, email, right, it's like, yeah, email's great, but also just as an example, uh, and this I think goes along with texting, is we came up with like even shorter shorthand, right? So just like mm -hmm. acronyms for everything. Um, and and the context in which some of it is used isn't necessarily uh, the best. So one time I, I got a job off of uh, the internet. I, you know, I went, I like emailed the owner of this movie theater back and, and I was like, um, super professional. I had other jobs and, uh, you know, just voiced my interest in the job and came up there and she said, you're the only one who responded with a clear thought out email. Everybody else like shorthanded had acronyms in there. Like it didn't, it wasn't even professional. And I was like, really? She was like, yeah. So, you know, that's, that is kind of scary, right? It's like, you have to know how to use these things, um, uh, properly. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, another thing pointed out. Properly. Yeah, another thing pointed out um, in in one of the segments of this piece is uh, it kind of leads to the, the idea of well, who who will have access, and what will they do with it? Kind of to your point, who who's going to print a million books, and is it are they propaganda books? Are they yeah. what, what? So who has access to it? Is it the, the rich and and powerful? And or is it democratized, commoditized, and everybody can get it, and not necessarily one better than the other, right? Mm -hmm. If the society yeah. drives itself into the ground, <laughs> then maybe a commoditized technology isn't isn't the way to go in that in that well, case. Co control of information the other way around has always been the most powerful thing that any yeah. dictatorship or propaganda or religion or anything that's been doing. Uh, you read 1984 and you get a pretty good uh, scary picture of society. But, uh, you know, talking about books, what's uh, what's a witch favorite school subject? Uh, Come on. Hold on. Hold on. You can do this. <laughs> I, I hear Google oh, typing. Here. <laughs> oh, wait. Google. I was, I was trying to think of it. Room. Don't Google it. I'm not Googling. I'm not Googling. <laughs> I to think I, of I, remind that, that like go with like broom or cauldron. Yeah, that's what I'm or, well, that's, I'm going to say hat. it's uh, food uh, snack time. <clears throat> snack time. Snack. Sandwich. Sandwich. I don't know. Uh, there is another joke with sandwich. I'll, I'll bring it up later. But this one in particular is actually spelling. Okay. That's oh, cool. okay. <laughs> Right. Nice. Okay. Yeah, we did get All to right. spell ultimately as a as a word to play off of. But okay. Yeah, the, Sean, the sandwich answer was, "What do you call a witch who lives at the beach?" Nice. A sandwich. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> wow, I don't even have kids. I'm I'm, <laughs> I'm surprised to myself by my own choices here. Um, your, your dad jokiness. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I I like to do that, and I usually pretend like the, one of my dogs says the joke, so it's not, mm -hmm. I'm not responsible. I have to say, <laughs> you know, Luca says this, and we all laugh, and like then I'm thinking, like, no, I'm the idiot one. <laughs> all right, well, uh, I say we move to the mummy. Okay. All right. So, mummies, minus on mummies. Um, in the 1990s, in the Tarim Basin in Jinyang Uyghur Autonomous Region, which is depending oh, yeah. on how you talk. Okay, yeah, so near China. We all China, know where that is. Oh, yeah. right. I know the, the coordinates. Yeah, I, I go there for coffee every day. Sure. Uh, <laughs> so they, were, they actually discovered uh, hundreds of mummified bodies, and they were in these boat-like coffins. And this is a very dry desert climate. So them being in boat-like coffins was kind of a surprise. They were about 4,000 uh, 4, years old. And they had been really, really well-preserved. So well-preserved because of that climate that they could distinguish facial features and even the hair color. 
and a lot of what they had been buried with in their coffins. So what the mummies had been buried with. And it appeared from what the archaeologists could determine that their clothing had been made of this felted and woven wool. The food in the graves indicated that they were agripastoral. They had eaten wheat and millet and even kefir cheese. And their features looked what would be traditionally called Western, which wasn't uh, expected for that area, which was a more Eastern area. So there's a ton of debate around the archaeologists about, you know, who, who these mummies were, where were they from, where did they live, why did they, why were they in boats in the middle of the desert? Uh, and as you could imagine, as happens when scholars find information, a lot of big debates started up and there were arguments about where they were migrants and newcomers to the region. And there was just no way back in the 90s to figure out what the heck had been going on with these mummies or to get any more information because you know they're 4,000 years old and they were lucky to have as much data as they did because of the preservation. But thanks to modern DNA sequencing technology, uh, international group of researchers just last week completed genome sequences of the Tarim Basin mummies and compared the genomes of those mummies to some mummies that had been around about 1,000 years before in a neighboring basin. And thanks to the analysis, they could actually determine that these mummies were not migrants, but they were descendants of a kind of population that completely dis disappeared after the last ice age. And only a small number of those genomes still survive today in any living creatures and humans. And most of the humans that have the fraction of genomes that, that have survived are either in Siberia or in the Americas, so really, really far from the Tarim Basin. And the other thing that the DNA indicated to them was that they actually probably hadn't been migrants. They had lived there for a long time, but they had stayed genetically separate for some reason. So they, that's known as genetic isolation. And they also could figure out that they, even though they were genetically isolated, that they seem to have openly embraced, and this is a quote now from one of the researchers, they seem to openly embrace new ideas and technologies from their herder and farmer neighbors, while also developing unique cultural elements shared by no other groups. So thanks to the amazing technology of modern DNA analysis, we were able to find out more about these mummies. Uh, however, questions still remain because they still can't figure out, DNA couldn't tell us why they were buried in boats and no other mummies or, or bodies that have been found in that area were buried in the boat coffins. They are very unique to these uh, Tarim Basin mummies. So thanks to modern DNA technologies though, even though we still don't know the answer about the boats. So that was my spooky, spooky tech. Maybe they were pirates? <laughs> I was wondering if it was a, if maybe it was part of their cultural belief system that in order to get to the afterlife, you needed to float or go on a boat. Somehow you needed to travel. I thought maybe that, that could be. That, that was what the Egyptian, if I remember well, the yeah, used that's to say. Right? A, a thing, right? Is like some people had to be sent off like that instead of burial, you got sent off in a ship, right? Why well, not a ship? Yeah. Like one thing that floated. Yeah, met metaphorically, yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah. What, were they any any close to, I mean, I don't know if you said it, I missed it, but were they close to like a lake, a body of water and or, or not? I don't think so. I mean, we know that over time in thousands and thousands of years, right. some places that are deserts now did have water. But in this basin, from what I read, no, it, there, hmm. they weren't near water and there hadn't been water at the time because of it was dry desert conditions or why they're mm. so well-preserved for thousands of years. That's cool. Um, they're preparing for global warming. <laughs> it could be. Did rise. It could be very <laughs> prescient. Yeah. Very they said in case water ever gets here, we know that our mummies are going to float to where they need <laughs> right. to go. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's, what's interesting is how there was a book I don't remember the name of it, but um, they were making all this association. Oh, yeah, it was about alien life. So I think it fits, um, you know, like alien came to to the planet Earth many thousands of years ago because they found different kind of technology in different parts of the world that according to the technology of the time, 
people would not be able to develop it in so many different separate ways. I mean, like you said about the DNA that they found a similar DNA, but it's actually not connected to, to them. So how that's a mystery and, and how different culture, they develop similar technology around the same time, but a completely different part of the world. And so the theory was that alien brought us the technology and that can get spooky too. That can get spooky. Yeah, it is interesting. Like even with sometimes with with um, species, like with dogs, they're not sure if they all originated at one place or if they seem to have kind of sprung. Because there's there's research. I mean, the general consensus is that dogs sprung up in one place, but there's some data that indicates that maybe they kind of morphed in two parts of the world at different times and they morphed in similar ways off of wolves and dogs basically wolves created dogs a couple of times rather than just once but mm -hmm. I think I read about that recently too that was like actually they're not from the wolf that we thought they were yeah. <laughs> it's sort of like surprise you're it's not, just you're not dogs. the wolf you think you are yeah. <laughs> the wolf you're looking for I like to think they come from coyotes, straight. Some of them look exactly like coyotes, right? <laughs> but, you, you know, if you think about it, so because no. I think about it, I know you don't, whatever, <laughs> whatever clone Sean you are today. Uh, but, I mean, if we all come from, you know, evolution, I think we all believe in that here. And, uh, and this DNA just evolved. You know, our cellular get more complex and complex. It just didn't happen in one specific place. It probably happened mm. in a lot of different specific places. So why due to, you know, the probability, why shouldn't we assume that same thing happening in different places? And uh, that, that makes more sense. And I think lately we're discovering, uh, oh, you know how we remember where we said that maybe the first humanoid was found in Africa? Well, guess what? Now we find something in South America. Now we find something in Australia. Yeah. So I think we're kind of cleaning up this idea that it's, things needs to be so simple. Maybe they are way more complex than what we want it to, to be. Yeah. And, and yeah, is there more uh, things happening in, in you know, synchronicity, right? Because sometimes in right. science, two researchers will have the same idea fairly close to each other because that's where the the data had started to lead the thought process and and even though they had it independently um they had it sort of around the same time so yeah i don't know maybe maybe that happened with dna it's kind of interesting too with a lot of people are concerned about having their dna scanned for privacy reasons for other um for you know other reasons but then also if we can start to figure out like in in this case they're saying that that this particular set of DNA only still the little bits of it still exist in in a very in very different geographic locales, and we wouldn't know that if we didn't have some samples of DNA in modern times. And maybe if we have more samples, maybe we'll find more in that region. Um, I don't know. So before you brought up that that example, Dan, I was thinking, would any of us care if we're the subject? that's found 2,000 years from now and are being used for research. Oh, that's a good point. Yeah, like these mubbies can't consent. Right. Maybe they're going to come back and haunt the research. <laughs> haunting mummy. I'm sure we all have different uh, plans for our future self. Uh, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to be in a form that people will be able to do that. So <laughs> I, I want to do that thing where they can do fertilizer. I want to be fertilizer for a tree. Oh, something interesting I read the other day was that you could be, um, you could be cremated and then made into um, a like timer that you flip, you know, like for games, and then you could still participate in game night. Oh. <laughs> well, the, the the tree you can already do that. There are companies yeah. that could do that for animals, for humans. Yeah, you could do anything. You can be shot into space for the right amount. You know. Yeah, but the privacy thing for money, like it's puzzling me. Yeah, it's true. We the mummies couldn't consent. You raise a really good point. And 
And how could we find their ancestors? You know, could, could we find their ancestors that maybe they could get sued for violation of mummy DNA? Well, well I'll put in their picture on um, on social media. Do we have? There is the actually. Right, do we have the right to do that? And there's a photo of one of these mummies that it, it accompanies the the article in Visor that I, I found the re, the information in. So you're right. That's... They should upload the DNA to 23andMe. <laughs> See, I think we're reading the signs wrong. We're, we're thinking mummification and put in put in a boat like box as preservation, and I'm reading it as don't look at me. Yeah. I want to be private here. Yeah. I'm I'm tucked away. Leave me leave yeah. me be, please. Well, you know, like when you look at the mummies in uh, in many other part of the world, different culture, they they bring with them, uh, you know, the pharaohs, the pharaohs in Egypt, what they love, it's because they can use it in the other in the afterlife. Mm -hmm. So it, it's not actually a okay. This is my arrival point. And that's why I connected the boat with that is mm. this is a starting point in, in the longer, longer life, whether either you believe it or, uh, or not. Yeah. The journey where they brought their, their felted woven woolen clothes and their kefir cheese. Yeah. And then, are... Go ahead. I was just going to, I'm like, how, how can they figure out there's kefir cheese 4,000 <laughs> years later? But um, I, <laughs> We don't know. Very talking about talking about it. food. What what is a ghost favorite food? Boobies. Fluffernutter. Sean, you love food, do you do you know? <laughs> all all food. It I don't is, know the answer. It is a spook gitty. <laughs> ah. I like blueberries. <laughs> You know, before they were called dad jokes, they were called groaners, these kind of... Uh, really? <laughs> yeah? Yeah. Yeah, which um, is also a good name for them. <laughs> uh, do you want to know something? You know, about it also brings food back in because there'd be tomatoes flying right now. <laughs> Lettuce. Okay, so wh why don't we talk about ghosts for, for finishing this conversation? And... Uh, Bust a move, man. Bust a move. I'm going to go with, I don't know if you noticed, noticed the name that I choose, Ecto-1. Does that inspire anyone? Does anybody know what Ecto-1 is? Ghostbusters? Is that the license plate? Yeah. Very good. That's the Cadillac, 1959 ambulance Cadillac that they yes. use, call it Ecto-1. Yeah. I gave it up. Very good. See, it wasn't a joke. Can you... You, you guessed that one. Uh, well, the reason why I want to talk a little bit about Ghostbusters is because, first of all, you know, I bring some uh, old tech to the to the game and news from the past, and uh, I think Ghostbusters is always going to be big Are you classic. the key master? Am I the key master? No, yeah. I'm not. Sean is. Okay. He okay. has all the keys. I do. <laughs> lost them. But... He lost them. That I were locked out. <laughs> Uh, no, this morning I was listening to Apple News when they do like those three little pieces of, info of uh, news every day. And there was this story about how ghost presence in or paranormal activity in a home can affect the value of the home. And this goes back to, you know, the 1800 and some stories about people purchasing a home, putting the money down, and then knowing that they claim there are ghosts, and so they were actually able to get out from the contract because it would not allow them to make money from the reselling of the home, or they were scared of it. And so in many states, there's actually laws that protect the buyer if the owner, the seller of the home doesn't disclose the fact that our uh, paranormal activity going on in the in the house and uh, <laughs> I found it very interesting and that's how I connected with Ghostbusters but um, can you imagine making up these stories just to affect the value of a home? <laughs> yeah I, th I think that the, the house that was inspired the conjuring was on sale in Rhode Island 
over the summer and and they had made it into like a micro museum of, with all the conjuring posters around and I think the whole thing they got a lot of publicity just for selling it as the conjuring home so, I mean I guess sure it's famous right so I think there's two parts right it's like do um people who are fanatics of right like ghosts and paranormal activity and stuff they'll be like yes this is the best thing ever and then everyone else is like no way i'm not going near it forget it but i totally believe that this is true and now i want to look up the laws in my state because there is a home in my neighborhood where the last resident passed away and it hasn't been able to sell and everything else is goes in like a day so totally like you know people are steering clear of it and i'm sure it's been disclosed um you know it's like that's insane because everyone wants you know a home in this area and it's like they're sitting there yeah and if you one one of the things that they were talking was two other things i want to add to this one is the fact that because in many places and i'm not even talking about europe i'm talking about the united states (laughs) where you know we have way much older homes there but many of the homes were actually built in 1800, so they change properties so many times that the chance that there has been like uh, somebody dying in the house or even a violent death in the house, it's it's pretty pretty good chance, right? So technically, it's all about do the actual owner believe in it or not? And statistically, they say that one out of five people they believe that they have experienced some paranormal activity in their life not in their homes but in their life so it's pretty common and i can see how you wouldn't want to move unless you really love to be spooky and spooked (laughs) to move into a house that claimed that there are ghosts so wait you said one out of five experience some paranormal so yeah i am not reading it i listened to it today so don't don't hold me up on that but I'm, i'm pretty sure yeah so did one of us? I mean, I know we're not five. We're but four. We're four. No, that, unfortunately, the one that experienced it—it's not here. It's not with us. Okay. <laughs> okay. I definitely think I have. Oh, okay. see. Okay. see? You right. Two out of one, five. One, one out of four. <laughs> two out of all of us. All, all right. So yeah, tell us what what tell what's us. the experience. Who does this? Um. No, I don't want to talk. <laughs> <laughs> okay, or not. Oh, That's okay. cool. No, when I was a kid um, at my parents' home, I had a different room. Like, like my sister is older, much older than me. So I had a different room when I was a very young child uh, than to when I actually grew up in there. And so, like, the first room had, like, my bed faced a door that was typically open because I was a child. And, like, I could see the hallway and, like... I saw stuff like going down the hallway at least a few handful of times, which is too many times. Um, mm. And so, you know, and, and I've read stories and stuff about like, you know, kids are more prone to like being aware of that type of stuff than adults. Right. And, and it never happened like as I grew up or anything like that. But um, I don't think that house is haunted per se, but definitely like some creepy sense of, you know, like a, ghost type figure passing my door down the hall which is not fun mm-hmm. <laughs> some spook some yeah spook. yeah wait I and mean, every so kid's house is never going to sell now well <laughs> they don't want to I, I beg them to move i'm like please come visit me you know they're on the east coast and like they're never going to sell it so well uh-huh. kids are definitely more prone to that because their fantasy their imagination is- right is going a mile, you know, million miles an hour. But uh, so that there is a, a business side of uh, of this story. So there is this lady. Always money. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. There's money. So there is this lady. She used to be a banker and uh, somebody like a consultant in a bank, and she made a business out of uh, cleaning out cleaning up the homes from this uh, paranormal presence. Hmm. So kind of like a modern day today's Ghostbusters. And she is paid uh, by realtors that they hire her all over the world. And she goes in and she does some uh, exorcism, I guess. <laughs> and uh, and then she kind of uh, say, hey, the, the home is uh, is clear now. And all of a sudden, people 
uh, believe it, and they can sell the home. Are so, smudge sticks involved? I right. don't know. There is probably incense and <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and a lot of uh, of technology that, that make me think about the technology connection with the Ghostbusters. And um, first of all, you know when the Ghostbuster movie was done was the first one because they they done others and actually one more is coming up in 2022, I believe. And um, the first one was 1984. And uh, that's 37 years ago. And uh, you remember some of the technology that they were they were using to to fight the ghosts? The the thing about the streams, <laughs> whatever. What was that called? The you know the, that, that... the particle thrower. Was that okay. it? Yeah. And then there was the proton pack. Yep, proton the pack. Yeah. PKE meter, the containment unit. The trap, that was the big thing, where they will just uh, trap the, the ghost in there and, uh, and their uniform. And um, I think unicorn? I, the unicorn, they, they had unicorn, <laughs> they would hold it. And then from the corn, the, 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 this, the rainbow would capture the ghost. There you go. I just made a new, a new, a new series. <laughs> the next for Ghostbusters is going to be yeah, wild. Yeah, be even like the 2022 like, version. You, you like kind of mix it up with waste. Harry. Yeah, you mix it up with Harry Potter and the Patronus, but um. Harry Potter, Children of the Corn, Ghost. <laughs> 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 no, wait. Is this new Ghostbusters? Is it going to be a continuation of the reboot with like Melissa McCarthy and Kate McKinnon, or are we going back to the original I think folks? The new one is going to go Carol back. Dana? I think the new one is actually going to go back to the original one. Okay. Yeah. But no Harold uh, Raymond because he's unfortunately mm, not with us. No, he's, uh, he's not there. Let me actually find some information about that. But uh, so funny story is that uh, we one day we were driving around and we were driving through um, the Sony Studios and we saw the, the Cadillac park outside. They were showing it to to people and apparently this shop now is in a is in a i mean this shop this car is in a shop now because they're going to reuse the same car for the upcoming reboot of it and it's kind of funny because when i saw it i was like wait a minute that's the ghostbuster car <laughs> <laughs> and uh yeah that's what happened when you leave in la i guess that's awesome Did you start dancing and singing oh yeah i, I had to find uh i had to find the I had to find the Ghostbusters song right away. Can we have another joke? You want another joke? Yeah. Take us out with a joke. Yeah. Okay. I'm gonna give you I'm gonna give you more than one. So what do witches order at an hotel? Broom service. Brewing. Yes. Broom ah. service. There Good. you go. Nice. And what do ghosts serve for dessert? This one has ice cream. Ice cream. See, you guys are, uh, you guys are yeah. getting into the groove. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. Um, why did the skeleton stay home from the dance? He broke a leg. Nope. Didn't have anything to wear. Clothes. It's a skeleton. It had nobody to go with. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm actually enjoying this very much. And it's kind of weird. I'm kind of weird. One, like one in five on this. Uh, enjoy this. Well, we can finish with a social media one. What do birds say on Halloween? This is my dog. One of them. <laughs> your dog? Was your dog right? Was that the answer? No. The answer about the birds is trick or tweet. Oh. oh. <laughs> Well, you know, uh, Sean. Yep. I want to know what's your favorite Halloween movie. Let's finish with a round of that. Favorite Halloween movie. It cannot be Ghostbusters. That's too easy. Ah, uh, boy. There's an Italian one. I can't remember the name of it. It's a, it's a gory, gory one. Suspiria? Uh, yes. Dario Argento? Uh, yeah, yeah, that's it. Yep, yep, yep. 
Well, he was, he scares the shit out of me as a kid. I can tell you that much. Yeah. Well, Angela, you're kind of an expert. Do, do, you, do you agree with that? It was a tie, actually, between Suspiria, the old one. The new one is actually mm -hmm. insane, but very good. Uh, mm -hmm. So the old Suspiria, but I all, like a Cabin in the Woods is mm -hmm. actually my favorite scary movie because it's not that scary, but it's, it just get there's a part where it's just like really amazing and fantastical. And I just, my jaw dropped like in the theater and I was like, wow. Um, so yeah, that's, that's the fun one. And it's, as, as I get older, it's the less scarier ones that I like, unfortunately, but that's just the way it is. Do you really get scared and you just love that feeling or you just like the suspense or, I mean, I like the suspense, do you jump off the chair? <laughs> Some I think I've more than that, but um, it's. I think it's more of like now I can't handle realistic situations. So anything that could potentially actually happen, I'm like, nope, don't want to know about it. Right? Yeah, we know too much. Yeah, yeah, yeah makes sense. How about you, Diana? You have a a go-to Halloween movie? Yeah. So I kind of tipped my hand by mentioning that, but I really enjoy. We're we're liking the Conjuring series quite a bit because it's like kind of psychological. Annabelle's kind of hilarious and campy when she shows up. Uh, but then Vera Farmiga and Patrick Wilson are just so touching as the two ghost hunters um, that they actually make you really care about their love story too. And over the course of the series is these husband and wife trying to go in and exercise the family. So it's, it's hilarious and touching and scary all at once. She's great. Well, you guys are real hardcore horror. Like I, I'm a Tim Burton fan, so I, okay, I, okay. I, I like that kind of Halloween and and the big pumpkin, <laughs> Charlie <laughs> Brown. So I watched yesterday. Yeah, I watch those. Yeah. I watch my favorite is the Nightmare Before Christmas. I just love that one. And uh, yeah, I'm more of a of the soft side of. of uh, <laughs> of Jack Lantern and then the gory stuff. So I don't know. I, I hope uh, that uh, we we scared people enough into technology and at the same time make them feel comfortable that once you learn about it, it's not that bad. Or is it? Until you're gone, then you have no more control. <laughs> Until you're a paperclip, everything's fine. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe they'll make a movie about that. <laughs> Microsoft did something with a paperclip. Well, oh, no. Talking about something that hunts me all the time. <laughs> Clippy. Ooh. Revenge. That'd be a great movie. <laughs> what? You know, it'd be kind of creepy if now on my Mac I would see Clippy show up. <laughs> and. <laughs> And having like a knife, and, and I hear like, like, don't steal any other information, just put Clippy on his machine. Just somehow, that's gonna yeah, come yeah. into that, that Frankenstein fishing ransomware kid. He will scare, will scare me about the security of my system, <laughs> that's for sure. It has to be like, an evil Clippy, though, right? Like his alter ego. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> kind of like with the fangs and, and, and bloody and stuff. I feel like now I have an obligation to create this like clippy short film. Yes. Do that. <laughs> it's your it's your project for the holidays. Go for it. <laughs> well, I I had fun. I hope uh, people had fun with this. I want to thank Angela to be such a sport to come on and share your uh, horror stories. Thanks and for having me. And be part of this and of course the mummy your pick and uh myself acto one and uh happy halloween to everyone and uh, we'll be back here next week with uh with a guest can you believe it diana we're gonna have another guest that's exciting congratulations we are that popular you're on a roll popular <laughs> yep i pay them by the way angela i'll send you a check <laughs> <laughs> All right, everybody. Pay Thank them you. In bad jokes. Yeah, I was Thanks. about to say, pay me in jokes. I'll pay you with the funny jokes. I, I'm actually, I, I run out of all of it, so sorry. Maybe next time. Yep. Let's uh, let's roll out of here. Thanks everybody for watching, listening. See you all. Blue Lava is the first business platform for CISOs to manage their security program. 
Blue Lava guides security leaders to effectively measure, optimize, and communicate their security program with confidence and ease in one platform. Learn more at bluelava.net. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Through the Tech Vine podcast. If you learned something new and this podcast made you think, then share itspmagazine.com with your friends, family, and colleagues. If you represent a company and wish to associate your brand with our conversations, sponsor one or more of our podcast channels. We hope you will come back for more stories and follow us on our journey. You can always find us at the intersection of technology, cybersecurity, and society.